Hey everyone, this is Maggie, the host of the Maggie Pilliton podcast. How's everyone doing today? I feel extremely perky today. <laughs> Happy whatever day you're listening to this on. Yay! On this episode of the Maggie Pilliton podcast, I talked to Nicole Greer, who I used to play basketball with in a women's basketball league. Um, in the same league as Jessica Franco, who I talked to a couple weeks ago on my podcast, Nicole is Jessica's partner, and I loved catching up with her and chatting with her as well. She has a lot of really incredible stories. She talked about her identities uh, as a black queer female um, working in the tech industry. We talked about her shoe collection. We talked about uh, mental health and how she's experienced it throughout her life. We talked about her dog, Leo, and we talked about Jessica, and we talked about female athletes and activists. We talked about a lot of wonderful stuff. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. And thank you again to Nicole for coming on. You are amazing. And as usual, please make sure you are following or subscribing to the podcast on any podcast platform. If you have some time, please rate or review too. That would be great. And lastly, please make sure you're following on social media at Maggie Pilliton on any social media platform. So thank you all again for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, thank you again for coming on. <laughs> so nice to see me. you. <laughs> and I already said this, but I love your shirt. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. And your glasses. Like the style is on point today. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, all the swag. Um, so I normally, I mean, I know you listen to Jess's episode, but uh, I normally have my guests introduce themselves. Um, using I am statements. So just you could say like, I am and your name and then just fill out the rest of that sentence with however you want to describe yourself or introduce yourself. Yeah, okay, um, sure. So I am Nicole Greer. Uh, currently, I'm a senior technical program manager uh, for a company that is owned by Microsoft. So it's called GitHub. If, if you're a developer out there, you would know what that is, but most people don't. So I just say it's owned by Microsoft and they're like, oh, okay, cool. Got um, it. <laughs> I'm also a, a shoe collector slash enthusiast or enthusiast. Um, uh-huh. Have a lot of shoes uh, along with um, everything, productivity and Ooh. self-help and awareness. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's, that's kind of basically it. Like I'm, I'm just your, your average black girl in tech, which, um, can be a lot of different things. So I'm, I'm a bit of nerdy, but the, but the stylish. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's a little bit about me. <laughs> yeah. That I, I already have like 17 questions for you. <laughs> like there's just so many things you just said. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, your job, I like don't even know what that means, but it sounds like such a cool title. Most people don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, is that most just me? <laughs> no, yeah, most people don't. I think even my parents have a difficult time explaining to other folks what I do. Uh, the way that I try to explain it is um, I speak both both business and tech technical. So oh, okay. um, I'm that like bridge in between the two for the folks that are super technical that can't really talk to people in the business, but also mm. the, the business folks that are really businessy that can't speak to technical folks. Uh, so I have to do a lot of like, just switching between the two and being able to translate things in a very simple and concise way. Yeah. Okay. Whoa. Yeah. That totally made sense to me. I mean, I don't know if I'd be able to like regurgitate that at all, but like that that made sense when you said it. So that's great. Um, I again already have like three other questions, but before I dive into another question, I also just want to like preface with everyone that. So my last guest on the podcast was Jessica Franco. And Jessica is Nicole's fiance. And we, all of us, played on that same basketball team that I mentioned in the last episode. So we played in a um, women's basketball league together, I think, a few years ago. I can't remember what we decided. Yeah, I think it was two two years ago. Oh, okay. Okay. I know Jess said three, but she's horrible with time. So um, (laughs) I think it was two two years ago. And, um, and yeah, we, we played on that that league. Maggie was the point guard slash shooting guard. Jess was our 
three slash four, and I was, I think, one through five at was- most, <laughs> most points of the time. Like, I don't know. I guarded it, like al- almost every other team's tall girl. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, great, great experience. Got to meet a lot of nice people. Uh, it was so great to be in organized basketball again. Mm-hmm. We had, it did that a lot in Boston. So um, Maggie and the rest of the girls had open arms with welcoming us, being us new West Coasters. So it was, it was oh. really fun. Oh, I mean, it was easy to do that. You two are awesome. Uh, no, same, yeah. with, same with you and the rest of the team. So if anybody oh. else from the team is like listening, like you guys are still awesome. Still wish we were all playing together and definitely miss everyone. I totally agree. Yeah, that was such a fun team. Because I mean, I hadn't played on like a specifically women's team since uh, high school, I guess. Because I played like intramural, like co-ed or like club basketball or whatever. Um, but I could never find like a strict women's basketball league. So to be able to find that and then have like so many awesome people on that team it was it was amazing and then I know I know it kind of stopped like before COVID but I feel like COVID definitely messed it up a little bit like I feel like it maybe would have restarted or something but yeah um, no I I totally agree and and we had like a great story too so yeah just to give a background to like the team like we got it I think we got all the way to the to the final game the first season and then we lost in the final yes. game uh-huh. and in the second season we went all the way and, and won the whole thing. So yeah. like, it was, it was really cool. We got to see each other grow on the court, like and off the court too, like just hearing about each other's experiences. Like, I think that was the, one of the best leagues that I've been in. Cause I got to stay with the same team of girls and then totally. like we got better as time went on. Yeah. That, yeah. That's actually a good point too. The, like the leagues that I've been on, it's always kind of like shuffled and you're like with different people or like on different. Yeah. But we got to grow as a team, which was like kind of my favorite part of being on a women's team, especially like that camaraderie and like that chemistry. And like, we for sure had that. Um, I also think in that second season, I feel like we lost like the first like three or four games. Oh yeah. It was rough. It was really yeah. rough. Yeah. yeah. And so we were like, uh Oh, but then I think after that, I think we won every single game after that, like yeah. including playoffs and the championship or something like that. But yeah, I, I was like, I mean, our name was the dream team. And I was like, we are literally the dream team. Like <laughs> We recruited a little bit. So we, we did yeah. that weren't in the previous season. So like yeah. we did a little bit of GMing and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, man. I, I mean, how is there not like an ESPN documentary about us? I mean, all is up. <laughs> I'm ready to share my story about it. I, I really don't understand. Like, I mean, you know how, so like the, the Michael Jordan one that they did recently. Uh, yeah. Why am I forgetting the name of it? Uh, last, dance. last dance. Yes. Thank you. I was like, it has last in it. Anyway. Um, yeah, that one. I'm like, why, why haven't they done one on us yet? <laughs> Come on, ESPN 30 for 30. Seriously. We gotta, we gotta reach out to them. Um, uh, but no, I'm glad you brought up the team. Cause I, I completely forgot when I was talking to Jess to like actually talk about the team a little bit. So <laughs> I'm glad it finally got some recognition because that team was bomb and I yes. really miss that team. I definitely miss playing. And then I'll, a bunch of our teammates are kind of like scattered around the country now. Like you and Jess moved and some of our other teammates moved. So yeah. guess that really was the last, that was the last dance for us. <laughs> it was, it was, at least we went out on a high note with winning the whole thing. Oh, so. seriously. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a really awesome run. And it was like, it was such a good team. It was so much fun. And I want to like recreate that league somehow with all Same. of you back. I don't know how that's going to happen, but goals. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so anyway, that was kind of a tangent, but, uh, but yeah, so you started to talk about your job, but I'd love to kind of hear your background in terms of like how you got into that position and kind of how all those identities intersect um, on your, uh, on like a daily basis. Yeah, sure. I can give um, some background of like how I got into tech in general. So um, I was a sports management major in college. So I actually had like never even in- been introduced to, to tech or computer science or anything like that. Um, and I picked sports management because I like business, but obviously being a college athlete, I like sports as well. Right. Um, so it kind of felt obvious to do that. And I, I really wanted to uh, work for like a professional team of some sort. I I had the opportunity of uh, working for the Boston Celtics while being in Boston. And I got to be a part of that organization for a a whole season. It was the season where um, Isaiah Thomas was there and and 
uh, and they went all the way like into the playoffs into uh, I think it was the conference finals mm-hmm. and um, I got to be a part of like an NBA team like I was around NBA players every day it was it was amazing it was the best experience and um, they had a like a rotational program within the uh, the Celtics and and one thing a lot of people actually don't know is NBA uh, front offices are really small so like mm-hmm. yeah it's a like a million dollar team, but, um, the people that like keep the games going, sell the tickets, uh, put out the marketing and the promotion, it was 35 people. So it's, it's very small. It's like, you could walk around the office and see everyone within like the same spot. Cause that's how small the office was. Yeah. Um, and within that like rotational program, I went from like marketing, finance, sales. And then my last stop was, uh, it, Oh, cool. Yeah, it was really cool. Um, I I liked everything until I got to IT and I was like, wait, what is this? Because it was these two white guys in hoodies that like Uh (laughs) they drank Slurpees in the middle of winter. (laughs) Um, I'm just like, where'd you get that Slurpee from for one? And two, like, you're allowed to dress like that. So like they wore they wore hoodies and like sweatpants and, and sunglasses and hats and stuff. And like they were very different than the rest of the organization. And here I am, this like young, tall, lanky black girl coming over to say, hey, I'm your new intern. And they were like, oh, great. (laughs) They didn't even really like basketball. You could tell. Oh, no. So like it was already like didn't have a lot of things in common. Um, But they were really welcoming in the sense where they liked teaching. Um, So I got to learn like just the basics of computer science. So like how a computer works, Uh, they were putting in this system that collects all of the customer data for all of the sales or uh, sales teams. Mm -hmm. And I got to see like that from end to end. And I was like, this is so cool. Like a web form can take that information and put it into like this, like concatenation of like who this person is, what they've done in the past and all this other stuff, what they bought in the past. It was so cool to me. Um, And at that point, I realized, like, I want to be in tech. I want to I want to do something like this. So I uh, I started like interviewing because the end of school was coming up and I needed to, like, get a job. And I wanted to stay in Boston. I didn't want to come back home to Maryland. So mm-hmm. I knew I had to find a job and a place to stay. So I, I shopped myself around to everywhere. And um, I got a couple of offers and one happened to be with a, a small tech company within Boston. And they 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 were like, I got the interview because the Boston Celtics was on my resume. So when I first go to that interview, the guy interviewing me, he's like, so what does it feel to work for the Boston Celtics? I was like, is this an interview or like, yeah. like what's going on here? So do you know so-and-so? Have you been on the court? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm, and we didn't talk about the job at all. So I'm just thinking like they called me in here just to ask some questions. Yeah. Like, they just want the insider information or something like, right. It's- they asked me for tickets and stuff I was just like well that was a waste of time and then they called me like probably three hours after that interview and were like hey can you come back for another one so I did another one and they like actually asked me questions but still some questions were about the Celtics and um, I ended up getting the job uh, and I decided to kind of like roll with it and and just embrace myself in it but um, it I think just from that experience alone, I was coming in of not being like the computer science major, the the average white guy that, uh-huh. that works in tech. Um, so I already felt like I was at a disadvantage, mm. not taking a bunch of like classes in school and stuff like that. So for the first, I think, three years of my tech career, uh, I had really bad like imposter syndrome just because I didn't think I was like worthy of being around all these people that um that were in tech uh and I've I've like had to reassure myself over time and it still comes up even being you know seven years in it still comes up of being like oh am I in the right spot should I be doing this you know um especially with not seeing a lot of people of color as well yeah within Mm -hmm. the tech industry I think that's been uh one of the biggest eye openers for me is um it's just like not seeing people that look like me. Um, I, I think I've only met at least like three or four within the seven years that I've been in tech wow. uh, of, a, of a black girl that has the same position as I do. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy. It's like, if I do see one, I'm like, oh my God, hey girl, how are you? Or, oh my God, hi, how are you? It, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's um, it, I get so happy because it's like, finally, I get to see someone that uh, yeah. looks like me. So, um, 
So yeah, that's kind of how I got into tech. Sorry to, to go go long winded with No, it. no, that was great. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I like, it's, I love hearing about your story because there are so many like interesting factors to it and all that stuff. And I, I also just love that like you didn't really have a tech background and then you just kind of like ended up in it and you're like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'll roll with it. It's cool. It pays good. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's nice. I get to work from home and stuff. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, I feel, I feel like that happens with a lot of people. Like you don't really know what you want to do. And so like, you just kind of end up somewhere and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like I, so I, I didn't, actually didn't know that you worked for the Celtics. I think Jess might've told me, but, um, but yeah, like I worked for the Warriors briefly after graduating college and kind of like, it was interesting hearing you explain it. Cause I felt like some of my experiences were very similar and that like, everyone was like, tell me about the Warriors. I'm like, ah. and like, there were so many exciting things about that, like being a basketball player and just like being a basketball fan and just like being that close and seeing how an organization is run is was just so interesting. But there also was kind of like a, like a pivotal moment for me where I was like, uh, this corporate thing, I don't know if that's like really me. Like, I think I kind of just want to like be an educator. So like, but like that was kind of an imposter syndrome thing too. Like that was kind of my background. And so to work for the Warriors, I was kind of like, do I belong here? And also like, I'm the only biracial person here and like I'm the only queer person here you know it's just like all those layers and layers of stuff and so uh imposter syndrome is definitely a thing (laughs) it's like I feel like it's it's natural to feel that in so many different areas of your life um like in my grad school program I feel like I'm constantly like how am I here what's happening Um, but it's so true. I think like when you meet other people, like there are other people out there that are similar to you, like in the field you're in or like, you know, in whatever context you're talking about. And so when you meet them, you like feel that, that affinity and like almost like that sense of belonging. And you're like, yes. (laughs) Yes. I found my people. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like it's like a confidence booster and like, and just, I don't know, the ability to just like be able to feel like yourself in a setting is huge. And so um, but I mean, you've clearly paved your own way and like been at this, is it the same company that you've been at for a while now or, uh, this is my third tech company. So oh, okay, okay. after, after that smaller tech company, I went to like a behemoth of a company called Salesforce. Um, oh, yeah. and, that's, uh-huh. and that's how I ended up getting into, um, getting in San Francisco. So yeah, like, they relocated it. me from Boston to SF. Oh, okay, uh, okay. And that's when I like really got to even experience too, like what tech was all about. I think it was a bit. I don't know, um, a bit of a, like a sheltered experience in Boston because of, yeah. of how uh, small it was. And then with going into like the tech mecca of like yeah. San Francisco and Silicon Valley, it was it was a, even a bigger eye opener for me. And what was it like, like being in San Francisco? You know, I think there's all there's like this perception that San Francisco is like uh, is so inclusive and like a lots of more representation and whatever. But like you're still in the tech industry and you're working for Salesforce, which is obviously a huge corporation. Right. So like. How did that feel working at like a small tech company in Boston and then going there? Like, uh, obviously in terms of your job, but also just like in terms of your identities too. Like, did that shift at all working for like a huge company in San Francisco or like, what did that look like? Yeah, it it definitely shifted. I think perspective of like being in like a small city-ish, Boston's fairly small, and then going into just San Francisco and being in such like a, a huge atmosphere of like the tower and, mm-hmm. and sales uh, salesforce and um it was almost feeling like I was going back to the Celtics like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, yeah. how like well known it was and how mm-hmm. big it was um but I also felt a little bit more welcome so with being mm-hmm. in that smaller uh tech company in the beginning there wasn't a lot of queer or like nobody talked about it. It was super corporate. And then coming into Salesforce, I remember coming in and I saw a rainbow flag on someone's desk. And I was like, oh, we're doing that here? Like, that's awesome. (laughs) Um, And the way that they threw so much, you know, appreciation uh, and and money, they put money where their mouth was with like the pride parade, like at a flute, they they did everything. It was like, they they went, you know, above and beyond to make sure it was inclusive. Um, I actually felt more accepted as being a, a, a gay woman than actually a black woman at Salesforce. Oh, yeah. Even, even more interesting because it yeah. was like, how can my gayness be so accepted, but not my blackness? Um, yeah. And, and having to navigate those two was, was mm-hmm. very interesting, but, um, but yeah, it, it honestly felt like I was going back to the Celtics with being at Salesforce because of how many people knew it. 
um, just like the whole Patagonia vests and sweaters. Like it was just, I don't know, it, and dealing with all of like the frat boys and stuff. It was, yeah. it was, it was like a whole nother world to me, but I, I really did enjoy the experience being in it though. Cause for sure. Um, I think from the outside looking in, that's what you attain. Like, that's what you really want to do. It's like, I want to be with the biggest company. Um, and then once you're there, you're like, okay, I did it. I can go yeah. back, go back and, and <laughs> exactly. a bit more meaning and purpose uh, within my job. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I totally, that was, I think that was part of the reason why I wanted to work for the Warriors and then I worked for the Giants a little bit too. I was kind of like, okay, I want to work for these just so like I could say I did it and like work in sports and then like check, check, okay, I'm done. Like, and then you can like move on to something else. This is not the end all be all. This is not the goal here. Right. Um, So yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, So the next question I have that like I thought of when you were talking, but it might be like sort of loaded. So if you don't want to like fully answer it, you can, but I'm curious, you, I thought your point that you brought up about how it seemed like, I mean, I don't know if it was necessarily your company or just kind of like San Francisco in general or what, but mm-hmm. that how uh, your gayness almost seemed more accepted uh, than your blackness. So like, I'm curious, I think you said something like it was, it, that was like a hard thing to navigate. So I'm curious, like how, how did you navigate that? Like at work or outside of work or whatever? And again, that might be kind of loaded, but um, yeah, that's um, a really tough thing to navigate. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing that helped me was putting them two together and, and, and realizing that they're not separate. Like there are black gay people out there. Yes, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So it's and 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 understanding like there's there's history that comes with both and neither one of them is, you know, more better than the other or anything like that. Um and and being true to myself about it too, like. Like when I would talk to folks that were either uh, a part of the alphabet mafia, they would, you know, I would also bring in my blackness with it. Like I'm not just the gay girl, I'm the, I'm the black gay girl. So so making sure that that awareness is is uh, within the room when I'm having conversations. So like when we're talking about, for example, a mock-up and that's inclusive, I'm making sure that it's not only inclusive for gay folks, I'm making sure it's inclusive for black folks as yep. well. Um, and, and just making sure that that narrative is always uh, with me. Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely something that helped. I think there was a lot of like code switching in the beginning where it was like, ah, I can only be gay or I can only be black. Like I can't, yeah. be especially when you talk to um, other black folks within, within your company, like sometimes you're not as accepted as being gay, but you're mm-hmm. accepted for being black. And then it's like, do I need to hide one or the other? And it's really getting comfortable with myself of showing that both are who I am. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, I think one way that I was able to kind of combat that, like one was accepted and the other one wasn't in certain, certain circumstances. Yeah. I, gosh, that's like, I, I love hearing you talk about that. That's so interesting. And I think again, especially with like the element of being in tech, which is like such a I'm assuming like white male dominated space. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, I feel like everything you just said is like intersectionality, like right there. I also love yeah. that you dropped an alphabet mafia. Like that was amazing. <laughs> I try to refer to, to us as the alphabet mafia as much as possible. It makes me think it. a little bit more. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, I don't know. I, I hear complaints of like, oh, they're adding another letter every year. And it's like, don't worry. I got you. We're the alphabet mafia. Don't exactly. No, no more confusion. You don't have to remember what's, what's been added or what's been taken away. Just, just know that we run all of this. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think like that, that's a whole other topic about the letters and stuff, but how, yeah, people are always like, oh my God, there's so many letters. I'm like, yeah. well, yeah, but like inclusivity. Yay. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> more to learn about. Yay. Your identities and like your representation um are so important and valid like no matter who you are but especially like in the space that you're in um I just think like especially with like Gen Z and like different people maybe coming into the tech industry like seeing someone like that like in the position that you're in uh must be so important and so I guess I wonder like is there do you have any interest in kind of like mentoring or like being that person that like some people can go to and be like I have these these identities and like I kind of feel left out sometimes and the like wanting to offer that support I because I just know like in education obviously like these identity conversations are so huge and I'm always like oh I want to like talk about this stuff so that other people like don't feel as alone or like you know to find that affinity like you were saying earlier yeah no that's a that's a great question I think in the beginning of my career, mentorship and and just 
being a role model and paving the way was never in my head. It was always like, this is what you got to do to be successful. You yeah. X, Y, and Z, like, it, and I didn't have a roadmap. So I, I just had to figure it out. And I think as I've gotten older, I've realized like I need to take people with me um, and, and take people with me can, can feel so, so much of a burden or so, so heavy because yeah. especially with being a black person anyway, you feel like you have to pave the way because there, if you don't, who will? Totally. Um, yeah. I try to think of it and, and try to be intentional and do things in, in very like subtle ways where if it's talking to girls that are on a basketball team and just explaining to them what I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think that I think just being that person that, you know, you have options out there, just mm-hmm. being, being able to show that is important. Um, I'm still getting comfortable with being a mentor as well, because I've, I've always felt like I still just don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I think getting comfortable with like, just like saying, hey, this is how I did it. It might not be the way that you have to do it, but um, but it's definitely possible uh, I think that's something that I'm, I'm more and more consciously thinking of, um, especially when it comes to whether it is, you know, people of color, uh, people that are queer. It's it's definitely something that I'm trying to keep top of mind because mm-hmm. for so long it was always like, I just got to focus on getting to the top. Once I get to the top, I'll, yeah. I'll be able to, to help people in. And it's like, no, you got to do that as you go. Mm-hmm. Um because once you're there, you're going to have so many other responsibilities. And, and this is really the time too, right? Like when yeah. I, when I'm learning and, and figuring out what works, uh, just to be able to pass that on to other folks. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like you mentioned something that was like kind of imposter syndrome again, and I feel like imposter syndrome, like never really ends, like we said, yeah. but I think you brought up a really good point about how like any kind of identity, I don't love the word marginalized, but any identity that's like sort of marginalized in some way, whether you're a person of color or um, identify as queer in some way or, you know, whatever, I think like there often is kind of a burden of like educating other people, but then also kind of like amplifying your voice and like speaking up for yourself. Like there's just all these different layers to it that I think uh, we've proven (laughs) historically and like culturally um, that these groups of people have to take on that other people don't have to. And I think, but there is like an element of mentoring that's like so powerful and that you, that you want to be a part of and you want to help the next generations, but you also want to be like, oh gosh, like how do I take care of myself so that it doesn't like overload me? Um, and I know you've mentioned to me and I know like you kind of said it earlier too, but I feel like that's like a huge piece of like this mental health aspect too. And like how different, identities and communities can experience mental health and like I don't know if you can relate to this in any way but I'm curious like I feel like that burden piece and constantly trying to like trying to find that balance between like okay what can I give and like what can I not give and like what do I have the energy for and whatever like I think that's a big toll on my mental health I feel like that's something that's like happening all the time on my mind um and there's a lot of like really positive elements of it you know being confident in yourself and whatever but it's also just like draining so I'm curious kind of like if you've uh there's like a side of that to you too oh definitely I'm glad you brought that up it's um it's it's difficult and I think it's difficult in in ways that not others have to experience it like for example, men, like they never, at least what I've never seen is them asking themselves, am I doing enough at work? But that's a constant, you know, question that I ask ask myself. And then with being a, you know, a black person that's working in the tech industry, I always feel like I have to be, you know, at the top of my game, I have to be better than other folks in order to get the recognition. Um, Within my time, I've struggled with, you know, depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was part of the reasons why I left Salesforce, actually, was because I was really struggling to find boundaries in terms of whether Mm -hmm. it was finding my voice and being able to tell people when you're giving me too much work or um, I'm working too late, you know, those types of things. To, to the other fact of just like not really knowing how to navigate corporate world in general. Um, so the, all of those things have, have definitely come up in, with like with being in tech, just being working in general. Uh, and I've learned to figure out what works for me um, mm-hmm. because 
I, I've tried it both ways where I like, I look at other women in the industry and I'm like, okay, what are they doing? How are they toning their emails? How are they, how are they, uh, you know, representing themselves in meetings? Um, but most of the time when I'm looking at those other women, they're white women. And then when I try to replicate that, I get a different, a different, you know, I receive something else from, from that situation, whether it's, oh, do I look like the angry black woman? Um, am I, do I look weak? Do I look like I'm complaining? Um, and navigating, like just controlling what I can control has been really helpful along yeah. with uh, communicating, like, and being okay with, with uh, saying when something is wrong. I think especially women have so many like misconceptions of if I say something's wrong, they're going to think that it's me. It's never mm -hmm. them. And, and that oh, yeah. comes up all of the time. So um, I've, I've actually been really fortunate enough in like my, my, my role now and the managers that I've had within this company uh, where they've been able to accept what I say and, and take it as it is and not question it or, or not give you the looks of like, you know, is she not capable of doing her job? Um, and, and, and just putting it in their court too, because it's a two way street and not putting all of the like pressure on myself, I think mm -hmm. has been really helpful. Um, and that's what I try to tell other folks too, like, you you can't you can't control other people's feelings um yep. like you can say something in a certain way but they're just going to take it how they want to take it so oh, yeah. like and you can't control all of those aspects of that conversation so you have to do what's right for you um and and kind of just let the chips fall where they may and uh that's helped me within like the whole mental health aspect as well because mm -hmm. i remember sometimes i would send a message to my manager and then i'd run away from the laptop <laughs> it's like oh god i don't even want to know what he's gonna respond yeah yeah um and nine times out of 10, it's been really positive. It's like, oh, oh totally. You need, a, you need a mental break. Okay, go ahead and take it. I, I, I'm glad I'm fortunate enough for that. But I think just getting to the step of sending it mm -hmm. is like the biggest hurdle. Um, and, and, you know, being that voice, being if you don't speak up for yourself, it's no one else will. And there's no need crying in silence. So like, it's you, you got to say what you need. And, and then if it doesn't happen, like you got to have backup plans too, you know, like true. It's just putting yourself in situations where you can be the best that you can be, uh, no matter what's going on. Yeah. And like, I mean, mental health is just so tricky in general. And like everything you said is, I feel like it's stuff that's so important to remind yourself, but it's also like so much easier said than done, you know, like yeah. to focus no, on what you can control, you know, like it's, it's so true though. Cause like it helps eliminate so many things, but yeah, like, you know, you can say that, but then in the moment you're like, <laughs> yep. like yeah, yeah, it's. And sometimes it's just saying it out loud to somebody else. Like you don't have to send it to your manager, but just say it to someone, whether it's your partner or your coworker. Yeah, or yeah. Sometimes it's just like saying what you want to say to that person, um, but saying it to someone else and just getting it out there. Uh, you, it's it's just it's really hard to deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I think the tech industry is getting a little bit better with dealing with mental health, um, but I think other industries are still so far and have a mm -hmm. long way to go. Um, it's I, I get saddened when I see like it, it's spilling over into sports and and spilling over into into other industries as well. It's just mm -hmm. like saying it, it, it is a little bit of reassuring that everybody's going through it and nobody's exempt from dealing with mental health issues. I mean, um, yeah. So so that's a little comforting. But that being said, it's it's something we have to do collectively to uh, to make it a positive spin or to just have awareness on it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, it's a little like. You're right. It's, it, it helps you feel like you're not alone in it, but it's also kind of disheartening that you're like, oh my gosh, it's everywhere. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. especially like with COVID and everything too, just how it's completely right. like upended all of our lives. I mean, it's natural for it to be everywhere now, but yeah, it's, um, it's tough. And I think that's why it's important for people who have, I've experienced depression and anxiety throughout my life too. And I think like, especially because of the identities that each of us hold and embrace and are like really proud of. Like, I think that's why it's important for our identities and like those voices to speak up on mental health, because like you were saying, like mental health affects us all so differently. And, you know, you could, you could read an Instagram post and be like, Oh, this is what this person does for self-care or like, or yeah, you could like um, find like, you know, what's another woman in your organization does or whatever. But like, your identities are so unique and even within those identities like your experience is so unique so i think like that i think honestly like that is one of the biggest things of adulting for me is like figuring out what works for me 
and then figuring out what works in different moments and then like actually doing them. Like, I feel like all those things sound so simple, but are so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. And it's yeah. like reminding yourself you're always a work in progress. Like yes. you're never going to get to a point where you've got everything figured out. Um, yep. And I think I, I'm slowly getting to that point of like realizing, okay, I'm a work in progress. It's just, it's just going to continue to be a progress, the progress uh-huh. progression um, of some sort, because like, I'm never going to feel like I got it all figured out and I shouldn't strive to that. Right. No, right. Um, yeah. I feel like once you've gotten to that point, like life isn't any fun, you know, exactly. like, I mean, yeah, there's no surprises. Like then, you know, you know, everything's going to be, you know, how yeah. it's going to happen. So well, and I feel like, I feel like that's kind of like a, like an athlete mindset too, that like perfection isn't attainable, you know? And it's like, there's always something to improve on, uh, you know, even within your identities, like even like more basic level, like on your identities, like there's, there's always something to work on to like make yourself more confident or to like speak up about something or, or, you know, or to send that email and like not run away from the computer, you know, like there's, there's always something like that to do. So I think, yeah, I think, I mean, I think being someone who has experienced mental health in a lot of tough ways, I think like it's, there is kind of that pressure to be perfect or to have it all figured out. And that's never going to happen. And also like, you know, we we're adults and we're, we're also like constantly evolving too. So like, you know, maybe something works and then like a year later, you're like, Nope, doesn't work anymore. And then like have to adjust again. So um, yeah, the moral of the story is mental health is hard. Definitely. Adulting is hard. Mental health is hard. <laughs> For sure. Nope. I totally agree. <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to get, to get into the game, but I've already thought of like other random questions I want to ask you. So I might just like incorporate it into the game. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just like very silly, like question answer game thing. It's not even really a game. Um, but so some of the like really random ones that I've thought of that I want to ask you. So I know you mentioned early on that you're a shoe collector, shoe enthusiast. I'm not yeah. really sure what phrase you use. Um, I'm curious, how many shoes do you own, if you know, and which is like your go-to pair for like different situations too, you know, like whether you're, I know, I know you work from home, but like if you were like going to work or like going to a pre-COVID concert or like a date night or whatever, like what are your, what are your go-tos? Yeah. Um, oh, and then sorry, also. And then what was your go-to like basketball shoe too? Okay. Um, so first off, I don't know how many shoes I have. It's, it's, I, I will say it's too many to count. Um, I have, I'm taking over two of our closets for, oh, wow. for just my shoes alone. Um, <laughs> so I will say that, um, as like, like favorite shoes and stuff, I'm a big, like Jordan retro fan. So mm-hmm. like a lot of the shoes that Jordan, uh, Michael Jordan wore in the last dance, so I'm a big fan of those. Um, I'm also into like the higher fashion shoes as well. So like Balenciagas and, and Burberry and things like that. So that's probably what I would wear out if I'm like going, if like me and Jess are going out to dinner or something, I'll, I'll wear like a Balenciaga or a Burberry type Dang. of shoe. Like you can be dressed up and dressed down and they do a yeah. great job with the material to it still feels like I'm in a sneaker and not in like some uptight dressy yes. shoe. Uh-huh. Um, and then you asked about basketball shoes, right? Yes. That, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Basketball shoes. Um, Okay, so I'm a LeBron fan. If you listen to the last podcast with Jess, you know I'm a LeBron fan. <laughs> yep. So um, I've, I've always worn LeBron shoes. Uh, I tried to play in like Kobe's, but I have really bad ankles. So it just mm, never worked out same. for me. Yeah. It's <laughs> Those just, low tops I, are dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's, just not, it's not a vibe for me. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I, the pair of LeBrons will do me good. Um, and yeah, I'm a happy camper. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay. I like those answers, man. It's always, it's been like an evolving type of thing, but, um, but yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it's definitely been something that I've had to taper down. It, it got really bad during like, the pandemic. It got so oh. bad. Like, I don't know, multi-purpose type shoes. Like mm. it was like some, some cross training shoes, some trail running shoes. Ooh. Never had gone hiking a day before my life, but I had hiking <laughs> shoes. I you were ready. At, like, <laughs> yeah. I was looking at like some fins uh, for in the water. Don't even know how to swim. Like it, sure. was, getting, it was getting really bad. I, I really had to like take a look, you know, at myself and, and try to, you know, just get a get a hold on uh, all of the, the pandemic spending that I was. Oh, doing. I think that's definitely a pandemic thing. Is it like, I mean, not only like the spending aspect, but also being like, I'll do this one day. I'm going to buy this. Like I, this is okay. I'm letting you in on like a very embarrassing fact, but I don't care. So 
uh, during the pandemic, I was like, you know, I really want to go on a vacation to like Hawaii, but I can't. Like, I, I love boogie boarding. I love being in the ocean. So like, I really want to do that, but I cannot. And so living in the Bay Area, though, there's like all kinds of cool beaches, but it's like freezing cold. So I was like, I'm going to buy a wetsuit. Like, I'm going to do it. And so I like researched, got the wetsuit and was like so pumped and tried it on. And I was like, God, it looks so cool. This is like awesome. And then, of course, still have not used the wetsuit since then. Oh, man. That's tough. But I, but I it's embarrassing. I know. I've been in that like saying, maybe not with the wetsuit type of thing. Yeah, but like I, mean, I, said, I was going to buy fins and I can't even swim. Like, what was, what was I thinking? Yeah, I, I, I hadn't been in a pool in like, I don't know, 10 years. I <laughs> mean, yeah, yeah. That's like a little confusing, like, logic wise mine's just like embarrassing i'm like i i don't know i was at the beach the other day and i was like i really should just do it like i'm gonna get the motivation and just do it but like still feel embarrassed too <laughs> so we'll see i don't know now everyone knows about my wetsuit so that's fun <laughs> you're well prepared you're just well prepared that's all. definitely yeah um i also okay i should have asked this question like once we were talking about mental health but i'm curious do you have like a go-to like self-care thing and it doesn't have to be anything like super deep but just like when you've had a really long day and you're like I'm exhausted and need to like take care of myself yeah um I have I have ADHD so I was diagnosed with ADHD when I was younger um and I also have dyslexia and two learning disabilities so like Mm. I get I have very weird sensory things that'll happen to me during the work day and I just Mm. get overloaded and I need to have a break um, and one thing that I do, if it's not journaling, it's definitely yelling. Um, I, oh. do, I do this thing where I, I yell at the top of my lungs. <laughs> um, and, it, and if that doesn't work, I, I'm a big proponent of putting on music and like acting like I'm in that music video. And it just takes me out of the world that I'm in and puts me in a whole nother one, whether it's like I'm standing next to Drake and we're doing a whole verse or I'm Whitney Houston at the time and I'm your baby tonight. Like, it's just, it's, it, that's, that's just how I kind of get into it. Um, and I've realized like doing something silly like that or, or doing something that's totally out of the ordinary, uh, it really helps me disconnect from what I'm dealing with. Um, it doesn't make it go away. It'll never make it go away, but it definitely gives me that little bit of a break where it's like, all right, it grounds me for a second. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. It's all right. Um, the world did not end. So that's definitely like some things that I do to try and help just ground myself. I love that answer so much. I've never tried the screaming thing, but I am kind of curious about that. Cause I, I feel like I've like noticed other like sensory things about myself recently. And I like actually really want to try that. Um, but the music yeah, try video with thing, a pillow. try it with the right, pillow yeah. too. That helps. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely learned to do it with a pillow, but, um, but yeah, go ahead. The music thing. Oh yeah. No, the music video thing I can totally relate to. That was like when I was like little Maggie in like middle school or whatever, was like really into recreating like NSYNC music videos. Thank so yeah so like I think that's like a personality type thing um but like oh yeah would like learn all the dances and like set up different scenes oh my god so much oh fun. yeah same I used to put like my stuffed animals in like a front row type of situation yeah and I'd, like slap all their hands like there's a crowd and stuff <laughs> it was amazing um, oh totally so, yeah so glad no one like walked in and saw that because that would have been embarrassing but <laughs> it definitely like I don't know, just get you in a happy mood. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's as embarrassing as buying a wetsuit, but like. I mean, I think if I do it now in my adult, like when I don't have any stuffed animals to do that with, so that might be something that can't work out. But like, I don't know. I feel like Jess would judge me a little bit, which I would be the same. I would would too. But like, I mean, but you also selected some like fantastic artists like Drake and Whitney, like you can't go wrong. But the music video or just like, Sometimes it's not even a music video. Sometimes I'll just imagine I'm like performing the song and like, like what I would do on stage and like that, you know, that kind of stuff. It's important (laughs) that like production aspect, you know, yeah, it's super important. I, I talk I swear I've mentioned on this podcast like at least 40 times how I'm like my favorite song ever is I want to dance with somebody. And so like that's like a repeat, you know, like I, I gotta nice. like, I gotta keep like updating my production level on that, you know? Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know, I'm just spilling all the embarrassing facts currently. Um, okay. So then the next question I have is, do you have a moment in your head where it's like the most 
like embarrassing or funny like dog mom moment and just as a reminder obviously we talked to jess about this on the last podcast but jess and nicole own like the cutest mini golden doodle mini golden doodle yeah yep, mini golden doodle mini golden doodle leo ever like he's just so adorable me and leo actually have a very interesting connection mm. um between us i don't i don't think jess mentioned it but like me and leo are like one in the same so like if wow. i am down he is down if wow. i am sick he becomes sick if i'm really tired he is really tired um, it's a very interesting thing like and it's and it's spot on too um like wow. sometimes i'll like wake up not feeling well and then jess will go downstairs to like help him like to take him out and she's like oh he's he's really slow and like not feeling well and i'm like oh i'm <laughs> i'm not as well um or <laughs> If I'm in a down mood and he's like, he'll obviously be in a down mood. Jess is like, you have to like perk up because he's sad. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. Um, so, so I think like, that's like the Leo and mom connection. That um, counts. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And, and we interesting. are able to talk to each other in sim- like in very like small ways where I can look at him and tell exactly what he needs. Um <sighs> Yeah, like like we can just look at each other and then we'll both look at Jess and I'm like, he's hungry. And, then just, and she's like, well, I fed him earlier and he didn't want to eat. And I'm like, well, now he's hungry. And then she'll put the food down and then he eats it right away. Um, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting. Or like he wants to be picked up. So I'll pick him up and then um, I'll give him to Jess and I'll be like, oh, he wants to go down now. And she's like, what do you mean he wants to go down now? And I'm like, just put him down. And he'll, he'll go down and he's fine. It's, it's so... I don't know what it is. When we first got him, I, I took like two to three weeks to work from home mm-hmm. and me and him bonded like it. Like I taught him how to sit within like the first, like, I don't know, eight hours of bringing him home. Oh my God. Um, We like cuddle. He was really like in a shock from being like, and from coming from Sacramento to being uh-huh. in the city. So um, it was, I think it was a lot of like just stuff going on around him that he was trying to process. And I was there along the way for the whole entire time for that first like three weeks. So me and him have a very, like, it's a very strong bond. And sometimes Jess gets a little jealous. She wanted, she wanted to get, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. She okay. wanted to get a new dog. She wanted to like, keep Leo, obviously keep Leo, but she wanted to get another dog so that she could, and she was like, I'll, I'll stay with the dog for the first time. Oh. Cause I want him to be my dog. She sometimes she doesn't feel like Leo is hers, but he loves her just as much, but she, sometimes she just can't read his emotions like I can, but. Um, <laughs> this is amazing you're either like you either have some like special like dog mom sense or you're like a dog medium or something I don't know I don't know it's, it's only with Leo though other dogs I don't okay. have that big of a connection with but okay um, so you just you just have some kind of special connection yeah but if Leo yeah. likes another dog that other dog will come and like befriend me because it's I don't right. know it feels like Leo's like introducing like, this is my mom and, oh cute and that other dog is like around me and like Leo yeah, yeah. Like, yeah you can pet the dog short I'm like, oh, <laughs> um that's so, so yeah, cute it, it's interesting <laughs> oh my gosh that's hilarious um okay next one is if the dream team, so our team, had played in the WNBA, how far would we have gotten? Considering I was the tallest person not very far, <laughs> I, will, I will put it with that first. But let's say I grew six inches or someone else on the team is very tall. I think we could make it to playoffs. Yeah. Think, yeah. We wouldn't be a high seed, but I think we could make it to the playoffs. But but the height thing would, would definitely be a challenge. I hate like- guarding those tall girls and it was always up to me and you guys just put me out there and it was like whatever do you and we had no other option I mean we all were we were like pretty height challenge I remember that one team we played where I swear every girl was above six feet tall and we were like well <laughs> I think that was the team we lost to in the first season that I think yeah. we beat them in the second or something exactly. like exactly it was yeah. it yeah. was they were all tall and they could all shoot Yes. Yeah. And I think I was excited because, like, yeah, now you guys can all see what I have to deal with. Every oh, yeah. The, with the tallest person on the court. Oh, yeah. I was like, I'll take the shortest. And she was still like 6'2. And I was like, well, <laughs> she's got like a lot of height on me. So we'll Ooh, see that how this team goes. was huge. They had to have like played in college together. Or something. I think they did. 
how yeah. do you know all these tall girls like seriously <laughs> yeah i was like this isn't fair like they're rigging the system but then we beat them so i was like okay yeah. well whatever the this better team fair, right <laughs> We're just like the underdogs that come in and just like mess everything up. Yep. <laughs> Love it. Exactly. <laughs> okay. So I asked the next few questions to Jess and I told her, I mean, you've maybe you heard them. I told her I would ask you the same one. So who would win in a game of one-on-one you or Jess? I would win. I know she said it depends, <laughs> but I'm going to just put it out there. I would oh. win. <laughs> <laughs> I would win because um like she said if she takes me down to the post obviously she's a little bit bigger than me but right. i'm fouling her so like that's oh just yeah i've gotten to the point now where i'm not giving up any buckets so i foul her extremely Ooh. hard um Ruthless. but honestly though it would it would be a close game it definitely wouldn't be a blowout but we do have very different playing styles i know you guys talked about it before yeah i mean you're the kevin durant so <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I'm I'm the Kevin Kevin Durant, which um, I used to hate that nickname. By the way, I used oh, to actually, I used to not like Kevin Durant. Um, oh. even though we're from the same exact city, our moms actually know each other. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Name drop. Hey. Fun uh, fact. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, I used to not like him mainly because of his whole like OKC to the Warriors thing. I that yeah. me the wrong way. It, Fair. I, don't know, I was I was emotionally invested in him with OKC, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I I think I think it would be a tough game, but I think ultimately I would pull it out and and I would I would win. Okay, I'm gonna say absolutely nothing because <laughs> I don't want Jess to get mad at me. That's fine. <laughs> I'll take the heat. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I was like, nope, not going to. I'm not going to start something. <laughs> Watch now. She's going to like bring out the basketball shoes in the morning yep. and be like, yep. let's go. <laughs> yeah. Or she's going to be like, I am going back on the podcast and <laughs> saying that I'm going to win. Like, <laughs> Okay. Um. So yeah, ask this one to her too. If they recreated Love and Basketball after your story with Jess, which actors would you choose to play you both? I know she said we would have to play each other. I I think Zendaya could play. Oh, we have very similar body types, light skin, you know, curly hair type uh-huh. stuff. Good um, pick. Thank you. Yeah. I don't know if she can ball. I'm pretty sure. She I mean, can. whatever. I we, mean, can get, we can get a stunt double for that. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. We just get a stunt double for that. Or you then, could be the stunt double. Yes, that's yeah. yeah that would be totally fine. I'm perfect. Okay. Yeah, that's Done. fine. <laughs> and then and then for Jess it would be it would be really difficult to find a, someone that looks like Jess because she has a very distinct look obviously. She does. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. Jess might have to play herself. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think she'd mind being being, you know, paired with Zendaya. Like that's not that's not horrible. That's that sounds like a great time. So Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she she would just have to play herself. I, there's no one that I, that I don't think that can play her. So well, she said that like if you chose to play yourself, then she would have to play herself because you wouldn't want to like play the role with someone else. But now we're flipping it so that she's got to just be herself, and then you're yeah. gonna be played by someone else. Right? Yeah. Maybe she was saying that for herself. She didn't want to be paired with someone yeah. else. <laughs> I actually, I probably wouldn't mind. Um, oh, so, so yeah. gosh. Okay, again, I'm not going to comment on this. I'm not going to start something. <laughs> I love that answer, though. That's great. That's all I'm going to say. Um, okay. So, and then I think I asked her this one, too. But which athletes or activists should everyone follow on Instagram or learn more about their stories, at least? Obviously, like, Sue Bird and Megan Rapino, like, they're of course. paving the way. I, I'm also going to, like put one step up of what that is uh Megan or not Megan uh Paige Paige uh Beckers I oh, uh-huh. I don't know if you saw her speech for the ESPYs um yes she shed the light on like giving black women basketball players like their shine you know yeah so many times they're not the face of like these you know whether it's 
I don't know, commercials or just the face of the WNBA in general. Mm-hmm. So like, I think what she's doing and being such, you know, so, so young and still trying to like find her way within college basketball, um, along with all the pressure that she gets of being one of the best, you know, women players uh, in, in the collegiate level. I think what she's doing is absolutely amazing. I love her story um, along with, I can't think of her last name, but um, the women's uh, water polo goalie. I think her oh. first name Ashley, her last name is slipping me, but, um, but the way that she's paving the way for black women, uh, in water polo is absolutely phenomenal. And she's doing it with so much grace. Uh, I hats off to her. I I got a chance to be exposed to a women's water polo during the Olympics. And I absolutely loved it. Um, I have so much respect for the sport and so much respect for, for just anybody that can get in the water and do all of those types of oh my things gosh, yeah. that, that can't swim. So um, <laughs> more power to all of them. But, um, but she really made me feel proud. It's like, Oh, I could have did water polo. And I never thought about <laughs> day in my life, but just seeing someone that looked like me, it was, it was absolutely amazing. And um, it, she never, she never got, you know, out of, out of character when, when things were not going her way. And, um, yeah, I think those would be definitely some women I would follow and just learning more about their stories in general. Yeah. Those are solid picks. I, uh, I, I agree that if you have not seen that speech, uh, that SB speech, definitely go watch it. Cause it's amazing. Yeah. Um, I don't know that much about, uh, the goalie you mentioned, but I def I, I know who she is, but I definitely want to learn more about her. So thank you for that. Yeah. Um, I also think, I mean, you could definitely join her in the pool. You got your flippers. So like practice with the flippers, then get into water polo and you're there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's the plan. Uh, I got to get my fear of being in the water. I got to get over that fear, but, uh, but that is the plan to, to try a water sport. I know we're, we're trying other sports. We've tried tennis. Yeah. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not horrible. So that's good. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe getting into the water and, and trying some, some water polo would be helpful. I mean, you have a few years before the 2024 Olympics, so yeah, you got some that's time. that's the goal. I mean, right, yeah, yeah that's, that's the goal to do that and, you know, who knows, win a gold medal. Like, it's, oh, absolutely. It's, all, it's all on my, like, goals for the year, so, and I think oh, great. it's so... <laughs> Well, I mean, once you once you win a gold medal, you'll have to come back on the podcast because like that would be great exposure. Of course, I will already book it on my calendar because it's going to happen. Or I mean, if you want like the Maggie Pillington podcast to like sponsor you or something, I could get you like a little patch to put in your bathing suit or something. I don't know. We'll figure Mm, it out. That sounds great. We'll discuss. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. um, so the last three questions are the ones that I asked, like basically everyone. And they're a little more deep, so not quite as funny. Sorry. what is one thing that not a lot of people know about you that you'd like to share? I am really into stationery. Um, oh, <laughs> I, mean, I did a, not know that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sucker for like a really good pen. Um, I I buy a tremendous amount of notebooks. I've gotten into bullet journaling, so I've been doing that oh. for the last couple of like days and just really trying to immerse myself with reflection um and figuring out where my time is going to mm-hmm. um but yeah like I'm a sucker for stationery like I could spend an hour and a half in Staples um <laughs> like sometimes we'll go to Staples and Jess will come like we'll we'll part ways because I, I'm looking at everything and she's looking for one particular thing uh-huh. um, and then she'll come back and I'm only on like aisle three and she's like you ready to go and I'm like oh no I have all these aisles to get through no about? no <laughs> go get a basket we need things yeah. <laughs> like you have way too many things at home and I'm like Jessica you can never have too many journals Jessica you can never have too many pens yeah when I think Jessica is serious oh things um, get serious yeah and she just like kind of gets out of my way and let me do my thing but um but yes I'm a I'm a sucker for stationary stuff it's oh like stickers pens markers mm-hmm. anything it's post-it um, notes yeah. yeah post-it notes any type of organizational stuff yes like, but having ADHD I've had to like really rely on uh color coordinating things keeping things organized and that's like what gave me my love for stationary I guess I get that though it's like a practical love you know yeah Yeah, exactly the like the Virgo in me like loves organization so like I'm I'm totally into it I totally respect that yeah (laughs) um okay what is one thing you want to know about me that you don't know already Hmm. I have two questions. 
Okay, sure. Well, first one is like a like a funny quite a fun question. So go for it. It's karaoke night. What song are you singing? So you would think I would say I want to dance with somebody. Yes. But like it's not quite in my key. Like I'd rather like I mean that's more of a like I'll like sing to myself and like dance and whatever. So like I could do that song, but my go-to that I've discovered in the like two times I've done karaoke is I do really well with like slower like more like ballady type songs. Okay. So I've explored like different boy band songs, you know, like cuz I feel like those are just like you know all the words. And I feel like the one that I do pretty well, it's that Backstreet Boys song. I want it that way. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah. I've like, I found that just like the key of the song is just like, it's perfect. And you can add, like, you can embellish a little bit, you know? Yeah. You can add in your like ad libs and you can like really focus on the words. Yes. Throw in some falsetto, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. Great choice. Yeah. Um, my second question, I had the opportunity to meet your parents at a basketball. Oh, game. yeah. Yeah, I forgot. And lovely people, by the way. Uh-huh. Um, I would love to know, like, what are like some family traditions that you guys have that you really like Ooh. and that you will hopefully pass down to your kids and, and continue oh. to do going on? Forward? Solid question. Wow. Um. I thought of your parents when you when you asked me this and I was like, oh, I really want to bring up your parents because I really enjoyed meeting them that one time. They were yeah. just so attentive and so into the game and they cheered for everyone. They were yep. like classic like mom and dad. Oh, Our yeah. kid is awesome yeah. and the team is awesome. Type of thing. <laughs> they gave great vibes like. I don't know. They, they made do. me feel like they were my parents and they were cheering for me every time I made a basket. So oh. I would love to hear about your family and any traditions you have. Oh yeah. I mean, my parents are solid. They're like, they're pretty great. I, I mean, yeah. I remember just like talking to them about the league and they're like, we want to go. And I was like, yeah, they were awesome. They're awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, we have a lot of kind of like random family traditions. The one that I just thought of when you first said that is um, on Thanksgiving every year, we usually have Thanksgiving with some of our family friends. Um, and we kind of like split up like who brings what, whatever. But like one thing that we do that um, my two older sisters and I used to do with my grandma a lot is we would make shumai with her that like um, Asian dim sum, like a little yeah. kind of like dumpling thing. Um, and we do that every Thanksgiving. We like sometimes make it together, but then sometimes we're like other people get distracted and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm making this <laughs> like <laughs> whatever. Um, but that's something that's like one of my favorite things. Cause it's fun, like cooking it together, but then also just like reminiscing about my grandma or whatever. But then also we like always end up making probably like twice as much as we normally, as we <laughs> should, because we eat so many of them. Yeah. And there have been a lot of Thanksgivings where we like, eat too many of those and then we're like not hungry and it's just like we've really had to figure out like okay we got to limit it to like six shumai (laughs) like you know everyone has a different number mine's like 10 (laughs) and some people are like no no more than like four so (laughs) wow okay that's awesome that was the first thing that came to my mind yeah okay that's Mm -hmm. awesome I can just like picture you in my head like with your family making them and eating them on the side and stuff like that that's awesome Maybe we'll, I'll find a way to like send you some shumai this Thanksgiving. I don't know how that's going to happen, but. Hey, if you make it happen, I would graciously appreciate that so much. Oh, yes. (laughs) It's, they're pretty delicious, but again, you just got to like make sure you don't eat too many before the Thanksgiving meal. So. Got it. Got it. Duly noted. I will make sure that. Pro tip. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Okay. And then last question. What is one thing that makes you feel proud or brave? One thing that makes me very proud is my my journey of like getting to be who I am. Um, mm-hmm. I when I was growing up, I used to like feel like I regretted a lot of things, or I should have did it this way, or I should have did it that way. Um, and I, I've really gotten comfortable with myself saying like, nope, that was my process, that was my way of doing it, and I appreciate myself for doing it that way. Um, another thing that I'm really proud of is I, I bought a home uh, around this time last year, and that was a big, a big thing for me yeah. and my family. Um, 
I've always lived in apartments because I'm the only child. My, my parents uh, are divorced and uh, we've always lived in apartments. And I, all of my friends always had houses and going over to other people's house and seeing all this space and being like, oh my God, this is so cool. Um, why don't we have a house mom? And it's like, well, it's just you and me. And you know, we don't need all that space. Yeah. Um, so that had always been like a goal of mine was to, to buy my own house. And I, I was fortunate enough to be in that position this time last year. And, uh, and yeah, that was a really proud moment for me, for my family um, to be able to be in a position to buy a home and, and to be able to start building that generational wealth for, for not only yeah. like myself, but when we eventually have kids. So yeah, uh, those are definitely things that I'm proud of. I love that answer. I mean, especially like given, our age group and the, like, you know, you were just living in the Bay area, like how that's like impossible in the Bay area, basically. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really big accomplishment. And I love your other answer too, about just like knowing that, you know, like I hate the word journey, but like, this is, this is my process, you know, like this is, this is how I got to where I am today. And like, you know, it all, it all led to this point for a reason, you know, I love that. Exactly. That's great. Um, well, thank you again so much for coming on. This was amazing catching up with you and talking. Hey. And I'm so glad I talked to Jess and then was like, oh, I got to have Nicole on, obviously. Um, but it was, was so cool. Jealous. I was getting really jealous. So <laughs> like, thank you some so serious much for FOMO. having me on. Right. Exactly. I was when she when when she was having it, I was like trying to listen in. I was like, no, just wait till it comes out. And like listening in, no, just wait till it comes out. Um, and then when you had asked me, I was like, Oh, I get my own. Oh, right before this, I'm like, I told Jess, I was like, Don't listen, you have to wait. She's like, Okay, okay. Um, so we'll see after this if she heard all of our conversations. But it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great just hearing about you. And I really am proud of you for doing this. And oh, thank and, you. And, yeah. going and, and, and bringing in your friends too. Like you're bringing us all along on, I know you don't like the word journey, but the journey that you're on, <laughs> it feels like we're all a part of it. And I'm really happy to be a part of it, just to know you as a person and, and to be a part of your life. So, so thank oh, you. no, I, I really appreciate you saying, that. I mean, that's like, that's part of why I love doing this. Like, you know, they're just, I know, not like a ton of people, but like the people that I do know, like have these amazing stories and I just want to share them. Like it's, you know, it's not, not all about me here, even though the podcast has my name in it. Like I love sharing other people's stories and just having these conversations with them. So I'm really glad you came on. And I talked to Jess uh, about how I should do one with her, one with you, and then one with both of you at some point. So cool. okay. maybe that'll be the next one. <laughs> all right. Maybe so. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. <laughs>